Oh, I believe we could have sung that song four or five more times. I love good singing. That's one good thing about sitting up front. I catch all of it, and I do like it a lot. It's good to see you all with us this morning. I'm going to talk about a subject. I hope you listen very closely because it's very important. Uh, in a few weeks, we're going to begin a study in the book of Romans in our Bible class. And uh, I wanted to touch on this uh, this morning. It has to do with our salvation. Uh, sort of to buttress what's coming later. Later, I'll be able to break it down into more detail. But today, I'll be able to tell you some of the things we really, really need to know and understand. The righteousness of God, that's the subject up for discussion this morning. The righteousness of God, from my point of view, what does it mean? Well, when I think about the righteousness of God, the first place I'm going to go is the book of Romans. It seems like Paul talks more about the righteousness of God than anybody I know of. So we begin our study here in the Roman letter. And we'll look for the purpose of the letter because that's also important. In chapter 1 and verse 5, Paul wrote, Through him, through Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship. I have been made a, a, an apostle by the grace of God. Why? For obedience to the faith among all the nations for his name. First chapter, last chapter, last few verses. Chapter 16, verses 25 and 6. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, mystery was going to be unveiled. But now that mystery has been made manifest according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. There's two statements I want to focus on in the first chapter and the last chapter, which more or less sets the basis for Paul's intent in writing this letter. And that is, he was made an apostle to lead people to obey the Christ, to obey the faith, the gospel system, Christianity. Uh, this is obviously a purpose of his writing. Romans 1, 16 and 17 has been called a thesis by many Bible scholars, the thesis of the book of Romans. And uh, I wouldn't take issue with that because I believe they're right on, uh, right on the money. In verse 16 it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it, it, it is the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew, for the Greek, for all peoples. Verse 17, for in it, it is the gospel of Christ. In the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed. In the gospel of Christ, we're told what the righteousness of God is. And that makes this a very important matter. What exactly does it mean? The gospel reveals the righteousness of God, but what is the righteousness of God? How can we answer that question? I'm not going to spend a great deal of time, but what you want to keep in mind is the purpose, the general context of Romans, and it appears to be the answer to the question, how can mortal man be just with God? Uh, to be just is to be made uh, justified. To be justified is to be made uh, pardoned of sin, forgiven of sin. Well, that puts this uh, one of the most important questions of all. If it is by the righteousness of God that you and I are made free from our sins, 
then I want to know what the righteousness of God is. Some would say baptism. If you get baptized, you have your sins taken away. That's not it. Some people say, well, it's, it's, it's faith. By faith is the righteousness of God. If you have faith, you're going to be saved. That's not it either. You can think and think and think, and it's very hard to come up for the answer. There's only one answer, and it's one that most people don't expect. What is the righteousness of God? The Jews attempted to be righteous by law-keeping, and so do most people today. Most of our brethren, perhaps, try to be saved by law-keeping. Ever heard someone say, I don't think I'm good enough? What is that? That's justification by law-keeping. I don't think I can live the Christian life. What, what are you saying? Well, you're saying that I believe in justification by law-keeping. When we take the position that we have to do this or do that or do the other thing in order to be saved, we're trying to earn our own salvation. We're working for it. We're saved through what we do. We're saved by our works. It's common belief that many people hold without really knowing they hold it at all. But whenever I start thinking on the lines of whether or not I'm good enough to be saved, I'm thinking about am I good enough to earn my salvation? It's not good. It's not good to say I don't think I'm good enough. That sounds humble. It may sound humble, but it's unbelief in action. It's not about what we do, how much we do. When you talk about the righteousness of God, it's something that's very different. We need to hear Paul. Brethren, my heart's desire, prayer to God for Israel, is that they may be saved. More than anything else, he says, I want my brethren in Israel to be saved. I bear them witness they have a zeal for God. They're on fire for God. They love God. They want to make God happy. But not according to knowledge. They're doing all kinds of stuff for God, but it's not based on the knowledge God gave them. What are they, well, they're going by their feelings, what they think is good, what they think is right, what they feel like they ought to do, not what God has actually said. That part they're not aware of. For they, my brethren in Israel, being ignorant, to be ignorant is to be uh, unaware of not have the information, not have the knowledge. They're ignorant of God's righteousness. What is he saying? What's Paul saying? They don't know how God makes people righteous. That's the problem. That's really the problem. And that's why they're, they're, they're out of beat. They don't know what it takes to be righteous before God. So what do they do? They try to establish their own sense of righteousness. They seek to establish their own righteousness. Well, I believe if we do this, God will be pleased. I believe if we do that, God will be pleased. I think, I think, I feel, I feel, and we're in the process of establishing our own righteousness. This will make me righteous. If I do this, this, and this, God will be happy with me and he will save me. You see, it comes down to works. Now, we... Our brotherhood's as guilty of it as anybody. Roman Catholicism actually boasts of salvation by works. I don't know if anybody else does. Protestants, they talk about salvation by faith only. The truth be told, 
they actually practice salvation by works, and so do many of us. Why? Because we don't know how God makes a person righteous. How does he do that? Why does he do it? In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, the Lord said, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. My ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You can't think like me. You can't come close. Don't try to read my mind. Don't try to figure out what I like or don't like, because you can't figure it out. We're on two different planes. Our thoughts do not come close to one another. You can't go by what you think or feel. You've got to go by what I say. Only the word of God itself can reveal the truth to us. So if we think we're doing enough to be saved, or if we think we're not doing enough to be saved, then we're trying to achieve justification by works. And we can't do that. It won't work. Because they're seeking to establish their own righteousness, Paul said, they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. There is a way that God makes people righteous. But because they're out looking for that way, they're trying to find what they must do to be made righteous. Because they're looking for a pathway to righteous, they can't submit to the righteousness of God. Why? They don't know what it is. So they're looking for righteousness in all the wrong places. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. He is what the law is all about. The law is pointing to the Christ. If you run the law from A to Z, you're going to wind up at Christ. Because he is the fulfillment of the law. There's the law and then there is the righteousness of God. The law is what people lived by for 1,500 years before Christ. And then the righteousness of God was revealed. People couldn't be made righteous by law. Why? You can't be good enough. You can't be good enough. People tell me all the time, I'd like to be a Christian, but I don't think I can be good enough. I promise you, you can't be good enough. None of us can't. We all sin from time to time. We can't be good enough. We won't be good enough. We'll always transgress. When the righteousness of God comes, it's no longer by law. Now it's by faith. There's a transition that occurred. Because people are made righteous by God. The Jews attempted to be righteous by law keeping. Romans 3, Paul talked about this matter in great depth. By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Remember, justified means pardoned or made righteous. By the deeds of the law. That's law keeping, that's by, by being baptized, eating the Lord's Supper. Uh, singing without mechanical accompaniment. By the deeds of the law, you're not going to be justified in the eyes of God. That's the least we can do. But that's not going to justify us. Why? For by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's all law does. It tells me what sin is. It's like a speed limit out there. A sign out there says it's 55 mile an hour speed limit. That doesn't, that doesn't pardon me from speeding. There's no forgiveness in that sign. All that signs there for is to tell me what the law is. And it says the law is 55. I know not to go above 55 or I'm going to get a ticket. That's what laws do. They don't pardon us of sin. They simply tell us what it is. And that's what Paul's saying about the Mosaic law. 
it's through the law that you know what sin actually is. But now, in this age, the Christian age, now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. Apart from the law, what does that mean? It has nothing to do with the law. The righteousness of God had nothing to do with the law. And now it's been revealed to us. The law came to an abrupt ending, and now the righteousness of God has been revealed to us, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Since the beginning of time, beginning all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the prophets, later more prophets, and Moses, they foretold the coming of a mystery. They didn't know what it was, but there, there, something's coming. People wanted to get rid of their sins, but they couldn't get rid of their sins. No matter what they did, they continued to sin. They continued to offer sacrifice for sin. They could not make sin go away. It kept coming and coming and coming and coming. But they knew, they knew by prophecy, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they knew that God was going to do something that was going to take away sin. They just didn't know what it was. So they referred to it as a mystery. They didn't know what this mystery was. We know today what this mystery is, and that is an atonement for sin. The mystery that the prophets prophesied about 4,000 years before Jesus was in the world is the fact that Jesus is coming into the world. That was the mystery. And because he was coming into the world, because he would live, die, and be raised from the dead, as an atonement for humankind's sin, sin could once for all be removed. In other words, Jesus is the righteousness of the law. That's what the whole world waited for, was for him. The righteousness of God has been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Now I know what righteousness is. The righteousness of God, that is. Even the righteousness of God, he goes on to say, which comes through faith in Jesus Christ, and it's for all and on all who believe. Not only did the righteousness of God come into the world, but the righteousness of God is declared, pronounced, if you will, on all those who believe in Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus, you will be made righteous by God, accomplished through the blood of Christ. It's not something I do. No, I didn't do it. I was made righteous by the Lord himself. Why? Because I believe in Jesus. Now, when I talk about belief, I'm not talking about the mere belief that people talk about so much. I'm talking about belief as defined by the lexicons. Faith is defined as belief conjoined with works. Belief, true belief works. You can't have true belief without works if there's a work to be done. If you believe I've got a $100 bill up here and I'm gonna give it to you, you prove your belief, you'll demonstrate your belief, you'll act upon your belief by coming up here and collecting a $100 bill. 
You can say I believe all day long if you want to, but until you come up here and get the $100 bill, you haven't proved any belief at all. It's belief conjoined with works. And that's why all the Greek lexicons define it that way. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about having faith in Christ. It's a belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, a belief that is so strong, it motivates a person to do what Christ wants him to do. Well, that's salvation by works, no. I was saved by the righteousness of God. I was pronounced righteous by God. And because I was pronounced righteous by God, because I believe in God, because I love God, I want to do those things that God would have me to do. I don't justify myself by doing them. I'm not pardoned because I do them. I was already pardoned when I was forgiven of sin by the righteousness of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified, being justified. How? We were justified freely. There's no cost on my part. It was free. It was by grace made possible through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation by his blood. Propitiation. A payment that would satisfy divine justice for our sins. When we study Romans, we'll go into more detail, but for now we gotta go. Jesus demonstrates his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. By dying on the cross, being buried and raised, Jesus demonstrated the fact that God is a righteous person, righteous, right person, a law-abiding person, a just person. Jesus demonstrated the righteousness of God. Man sinned. He was going to be destined to a devil's hell. This was the exact opposite of what God wanted. God wanted the people to be saved and to live with him forever and ever. Why didn't he just say, I forget it. Why didn't you say, I'm not going to hold it against him. I want him to live with me. Why, why, why did Jesus have to die? It's because a payment had to be made for the sin before God could forgive us of the sin. If you get a speeding ticket, you got to pay a fine. If you get a sin ticket, somebody's got to pay the fine. I can't pay my own fine. You can't pay my fine. Only deity could pay our fine. And because God is such a righteous being, he's so just, he's so law-abiding, he never cheats, that he permitted Jesus to die so he would be the propitiation, the payment for our sin. And it's by his blood that God pronounces us righteous because we have the kind of faith that God is looking for. A faith that believes him and will walk with him no matter where he goes. Someone says, well, yeah, but I've been baptized. You don't understand. 
you don't understand the righteousness of God. So many times I hear statements, and it makes me sad because I realize some people do not understand what the righteousness of God is or how they're justified. It, it's not about what we do, folks. It's about whose we are. That's what matters. In the Old Testament, people had sinned. Their sins were rolled forward year by year by year by year. They couldn't be taken away. Why? It was the blood of bulls and goats. The blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin, but it was a, it was a, a payment, if you will, that eventually a payment is coming. It was uh, interest, if you want to think of it that way. And then eventually the principal is going to be paid. So year after year after year after year, people offered up sacrifice for their sins. And every year their, their sins would come back. They'd have to offer up another sacrifice, rolling forward another year. And then finally Jesus came into the world. And by his death, by his blood, everybody who lived before he came into the world that lived by faith, not the Mosaic law, but by faith, they were pardoned of their sins. What does that imply? Well, that implies that Israel, Israelites were saved, right? Yeah. But it also implies that the Gentiles were saved. You see, a Gentile could walk by faith. He didn't walk by the law of Moses, but he could walk by faith. Because they had what was known as the law of the heart, or the law of the mind. They had a law given to them by God. And there were Gentiles, our ancestors, who believed in the living God, and to the best of their ability, they lived as God wanted them to do. Why? They walked by faith. And because they walked by faith, when Jesus died on the cross, his blood covered their sins as well. And that's what Paul is talking about in verse 25b. Verse 26, he did this now to demonstrate at the present time, to demonstrate to all of us Okay, his righteousness, the fact that God is a righteous person. For 4,000 years, those sins were piling up. And God, ultimately, he paid the price of those sins because he wants us to know he's a righteous person. He didn't turn a deaf ear to sin. He didn't wish it away. He didn't wring his hands worrying about it. No, in order to redeem those folks, he had to pay a price for it, and he did. And he wants us to know that he's a righteous person, that he's a just person. He's justified in his actions. God is just. He's doing rightly when he forgives sin. Well, how is he just? Because he paid the price for the sin. Therefore, when he forgives sin, he's just in doing so. And the next verse says, the next part says, and he is the justifier. He's the one that pardons, justifies us of our sins. And God allowed Jesus to die on the cross because he wanted to demonstrate to you and I that he is a righteous person. He only does what's just. And in forgiving, he is justified. 
you're talking about one of the most important matters of all. He justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Well, what does the scripture say? Romans 4 and verse 3. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. God pronounced Abraham as a righteous man. What did Abraham do? Nothing. You know what happened? Abraham wanted to appoint one of his servant's sons, Eliezer. He wanted to appoint him as heir to all of his stuff. And the Lord said, no, you can't appoint him because you're going to have a child. Abraham's about 86 years old at the time. God had been making this promise for 11 years. Uh, Abraham didn't know, but in 14 more years, the child of promise was going to come. Abraham couldn't know that other than the fact that God told him he will come. And Abraham believed God. And what happened? God pronounced Abraham a righteous man. God made him righteous. Forgiven. Pardoned. Free of sin. Why? Because he believed God. God said, I'm going to give you a child of promise. Abraham believed it. He didn't do anything. And God made him righteous. You can't merit your own salvation. You can't merit your own forgiveness. We say we can't. We say we understand that, and yet we try. Why? Because I'm not good enough. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do the other thing. All these phrases indicate the fact that I either do not know what the righteousness of God is, or I'm trying to justify myself, which I can't do. It's hard to accept something this way. All our lives, we've been told to work for what we get. All my life, I've been taught to work, work hard. If you take a man's money for a day's work, you give him a day's work. That's your obligation. If I heard it once, I heard it a hundred times. There's no free lunches in this world. You gotta work for what you get, son. That's good, that's right. That's what we ought to teach. The problem is we get so used to, so accustomed to that way of thinking, we still think that way when it comes to forgiveness of sin. We still feel like we've got to do something to earn salvation. That's why people think they're not good enough. My wife is good enough, but I'm not. i got a long way to go. A long way to go to where? Did or did God not pronounce you righteous? If he pronounced you righteous, that means you're good enough. To go to heaven. That means you have everything you need to have in order to go to heaven. Think about the thief on the cross in just a moment, if you would. The thief on the cross turned to the Lord and said, Lord, will you remember me in your kingdom? It was only going to be about three, maybe four hours later. They were going to die. By 6 p.m. that same day, they were going to be in paradise together. This man spent three, maybe four hours in the kingdom of God. He was a thief. He was, he was guilty of a crime that called for his death. He spent three or four hours with Jesus. They probably didn't talk at all after Jesus told him, today you will be with me in paradise because they were hanging from a cross. But he was made righteous and he went to paradise with our Lord just a few hours later. 
What did he do to make him good enough? Nothing. He did nothing. He wasn't good enough. He was a thief. He'd been crucified because he was a thief. And this thief went to paradise. Why? Because Jesus made him righteous. This, this should make us so happy. It's not about what I do. It's about what I believe. Now somebody said, well, you're saying that what you do has got nothing to do with it. No, that's not what I'm saying. If you, if you believe, you're going to want to do whatever the Lord wants you to do. That's a given. It's not something you have to do. I was baptized, not because I felt like I had to, because this is what Jesus said he wanted me to do. Therefore, I did. That's all it took was his word. And the same is true forever. We don't have to be what we call good enough. And if you, if you try to be good enough, it's going to drive you nuts because you'll never be good enough. I promise you, I promise you, you will never in your life feel good enough. None of us will. Because, well, we're not. But through the power of Christ's blood, we are made righteous, sinless, and pardoned. Justification by law requires sinlessness. If we try to be good enough, we're, we're, we're doomed before we begin. Listen to what the law says about the law. In Romans 10 and 5, Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, being good enough. The man who does those things shall live by them. In other words, if you're trying to be good enough, you, you're going to have to be good enough because there is no mercy any longer. If you try to be good enough, you're going to have to be good enough. You're going to have to be sinless. Uh, there's none of us going to say that. We know that's not possible. So then quit worrying about being good enough. In Galatians 3 and 10, as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. Why? For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. If you're going to try to be good enough, you've got to keep the entirety of the law flawlessly. Well, we can't do that. James said, whoever shall keep the whole law, everything the Lord wants you to do, and you stumble in only one point, you miss it in one point. Out of the, all the law, you only fail in one point. What did James say? You are guilty of all. Whether you fail the entirety of the law, whether you fail one point of the law, the end result, if you're trying to be justified by being good enough, is that you'll be lost in the final analysis. The righteousness of God is found in the cross of Christ. The person who believes in Jesus, this person is made righteous by God. He becomes a righteous person because God said he is righteous. When that thief hanging on the cross was declared righteous by Jesus, he was sinless. All his sins were removed. He had no sins whatsoever. He was fit to go to heaven because the blood of Christ purified him. 
And from that day forward, we are to walk by faith. Of course, for the thief, it didn't last long. But we are to walk by faith and not by works. I think sometimes I think we think too much about works and not enough about faith. Faith, uh, true faith, the faith God wants is a faith that does works because I want to make the Lord happy. I've always done things for my BR, not because I was afraid she'd beat me up, but because I knew she wanted certain things. And because she wanted them, I wanted to make her happy. I didn't feel like I had to do anything. I, I just, I wanted to because I love her. And that's the way it is with God, right? I do what I do with God, not because I have to, but because I want to. Number one, I trust him. His way is always the best way. Number two, I love him. And I want him to be pleased with, with me. But sometimes we get all caught up in works. I'm not good enough. We get sad. We get depressed. We feel like a loser. We act like a loser. Because I'm not good enough. If you don't take anything else away from what I'm saying, take this. You will never be good enough. Salvation by Christ through faith or there's no salvation at all. Paul in Philippians chapter 3 verse 9 said he wanted more than anything else to be found in Jesus. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, he used to live that way, but he learned better. He said, now I want to be found in Jesus, not because I'm trying to work my way to Jesus. I know it doesn't work that way. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, the righteousness, the pardon from God that God gives to those who believe. Well, what about you? Do you believe in Jesus? If you're not a Christian, I can assure you that you do not believe in Jesus. Not what God wants you to do. Oh, you may believe Jesus lived sometime. There may be some things you believe, but you don't really believe in Jesus. Not really. You haven't given yourself to him. And sometimes Christians, we believe. That's why we do some of the things we do. But we don't believe enough to do things that we might not want to do. If I believe that Jesus is everything he claims to be, one of the first things I'm going to do is tell somebody else. After I got converted, one of the first things I did was go after my mama. She wasn't a Christian. I believed I had become a saved person. I believed my mother was a lost person. I don't want my mama to be lost. So one of the first things I did after I became a clean person, I went to my mama and I tried to persuade her to become a Christian. And I went to my daddy. And I went to my sisters and my brother. Then I went to my friends. I went to my folks. 
When I believe that there is eternal life, when I believe that eternal life is available to all, when I believe that it could be had by each one of us, when I believe, when I knew in my heart that the only alternative to life with God was a devil's hell, I started doing everything in my power to persuade others to become a Christian. And that's where I am today. I've been doing it for 40 some odd years now. That's what belief does, you see. Belief can't be quiet. Belief can't be inactive. When you believe with all your heart that there is an eternal heaven without tear or fear and that that can be your home. You'll do whatever is required of you to lay your hands on such a glorious place. You know, whatever we decide to do, it's between us and God. You can't read my mind. You don't know if I'm a phony or not. I don't know if you are or not. Uh, we just don't know. But God knows, and, and I know. I know, I, mean, I know about me. God knows about me. If we if we don't uh, if we don't devote ourselves to walking with the Lord, one day we'll either die or the Lord will return, and we won't be ready to meet our maker. We'll, we will lose our soul into a hellfire. There'll be no comfort. Nobody will care. We can scream and scream and scream as we listen to other people scream, but nobody cares. Nobody will come. We just all by ourselves. Forever and ever and ever. When I think of the possibility of one of my children going to such a place, I, I can't hardly breathe. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing worse than that. Nothing. The time will come. And I'm begging you from the very bottom of my heart. Give it serious thought. And do what you need to do. If you're not a Christian, you are to become a Christian by believing, by repenting of sin by confessing the name of Jesus, by being immersed in water for forgiveness of sin. And by the grace of God, 
God will declare you a righteous being. As Christians, walk by faith and not by sight, and heaven will be your home.